right as you're coming in and getting situated, um, we'll uh, get started. And uh, so, first of all, welcome to our next chapter or next segue into our uh, study on intimacy with God. Um, This study is about how to develop a heart that's after God and uh, as a result um, develop a a life that is Godward in nature. And uh, we've really just started our time together, had a few few sessions. Um, I personally was sick last week, so it was my my fault that uh, people weren't able to meet. Um, woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and both my wife and I, within five minutes of each other, had the stomach flu. <laughs> so that was not a fun exercise, and it was my birthday. <laughs> so that did not work out well. <laughs> but uh, God is good, and he, was, he, he is all the time, right? And do you guys have this copy of this? Um, I yeah. have one at home. That's the one you gave me. Okay. Oh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I gave you that one back in 2000. I did. <laughs> um, yeah. Exactly. Sorry for the interrupting. No, no problem. They were. They were green. You bet. Um, so let's get started with prayer and uh, certainly um, uh, give you a quick overview of what we've covered so far and then we'll launch into our time together. I have a lot to talk through and a lot to discuss um, also. So let's begin our time in prayer if we could. Father, I thank you for uh, uh, just even as we think about this morning and the beauty, the beauty that's all around us and the glory that is manifested in your creation that is just a... Uh, an inkling and a subset and just a very small smidgen of um, the incredible glory that is all you and how majestic you are and that you are so high and lifted up in all things, that you are sovereign over all things, that you are on the throne and that you are the one who does all things well. Father, we thank you that you are the one to whom we owe our very Uh, allegiances of our souls and father we acknowledge that this morning as we think about what you're accomplishing and what you're doing in our lives father as we think about this journey that all of us are committed to on going on a quest to become more like like you and to um and to have and to develop intimacy in our lives father we we recognize that laid out in your scriptures is it are all all we need to be able to commune, to, to, to commune with you and to develop a, a relationship that um, is really beyond all telling. And uh, Father, I pray that you would help us in this time, this day, as we take another bite of this um, um, process, Father, I pray that you would um, show up and that you would disclose yourself to us even in this time. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Hi guys, <laughs> you both have this book, right? Do you have this book, Intimacy with the Almighty? Yeah. You can take another one. Have another one if you want. You want to take? Oh, oh no, yes, that's right. So take that. Yeah. So uh, let's um, open up our Bibles, if we could, um, to. Uh, 
Hebrews chapter 11. For you that are just getting situated, um, really a real quick kind of on-ramp for today, if you would. Um, we, we're talking about a number of different um, components of this, of this uh, journey that we talk about with intimacy with God. And we're really in this orientation time period. Uh, this is hard to see because it's supposed to be hard to see. Because <laughs> you're supposed to focus on crystallizing our call. And Sam in the back has uh, started our time out uh, with uh, talking about us being image bearers of God and what, what, what that means in our lives. And now we're about talking about crystallizing the call, and we've broken that down into three major segments. The three major segments, uh, the, the first one we already talked about. And by the way, if, if you're new or if you happen to have missed a session, most likely by Sunday night, almost invariably, um, we have uh, the sessions that we're going through up on our website. And so the audio's up there to listen to. You can either download it to a device or you can listen to it online. Or number two, and number two, uh, you can pull down, if you would, um, both the outline that you see like in front of you on Word, a Word document, and also the PowerPoint slides. You can pull those down, and so you can literally be listening to the audio. You know, a lot of people are different. Uh, learners, right? Listen to the audio, watch the presentation, and then be um, using the outline to kind of go along with that. So, um, just a reminder of that. Last last time we got together, we started into this um, second part. So the first part was our quest, and the quest we said is to intentionally yearn to know God and seek Him with all our hearts. And we talked about the fact that the most um, the, the most appropriate, most uh, uh, the, the, the reason why God has created us is to know Him and walk with Him. And there is no other motivation greater in our lives than that, that motivation. My que- question on the back into that is how we're doing on that. Um, the second one we have here is our motive. And our motive is to purposefully live for the pleasure of the King. So this would be about a quarter way down on the first part of your page there, to purposefully live for the pleasure of the king. And so last time we got together, we started into this, and we looked at a number of things tied to um, uh, faith. We will continue that journey today because one of your, um, one of your homework assignments was to, um, was to spend time in Hebrews chapter 11 and begin the process of the pleasure of discovery of what it means to live by faith. And so we'll talk about that today, together today. And then the next, after we finish this up, which will take probably this week and next week, then we're going to go into our worship, which is to honestly evaluate and, and deliberately reorient the passions of our hearts. Deliberately reorient the passions of our hearts. Um, so this was our homework. Um, you'll see normally our homework, uh, by the way, we have a... a um, uh, a group of emails um, that we uh, hand that, that we communicate during the week with it, with each other. Um, Sammy, can you grab a piece of paper from someplace and let's just pass it around? If you haven't signed up for the email and you want to be a part of that, 
we'll just we'll pass that page around and just put your email address on there if you would. But what we're doing is, as everybody's learning, observing, going through their going deeper, they're sharing ideas and thoughts and, and, and learnings and observations and those kinds of things with one another. And th- so throughout the week, you know, that's what's happening uh, through this um, this time of, of, of centeredness during the week. And so this was our um, goal here at the top here. So we look at scripture, songs, music videos, uh, teaching videos, different th- ways, um, quotes, um, uh, other things to be able to s- uh, go deeper during the week. Um, so let's take a look at um, our motive today. Um, we talked about last time, uh, this, our, our learning objective for the three weeks that we'll have our motive um, of pleasing God is going to be the same learning objective, and that is to understand the nature of faith, understand the nature of faith, and the role my decisions, and I say can play in pleasing God, because it doesn't always happen that way, but the role that my decisions can play in pleasing God. Okay? So my, uh, to understand the nature of faith and the role my decisions can play in pleasing God found this picture, I showed it last week, or last time we got together also, and I just loved it, which is that um, yearning to please God and actually pleasing Him are actually one and the same thing. Isn't that great? It's like, my desire to want to please Him is, that, is, is the step, a key step in that process of actually pleasing Him. And so, what, what a great reminder that is to us. So last week we got to get, uh, last time we got together, we talked about two things under our motive. First was what do you mean by faith, and second was what are the essential ingredients of faith on that first page of yours. And so when we looked at what what do we mean by faith, we said we looked at Hebrews eleven, uh, verse one. So let's look at that together. He says, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, uh, the conviction of things not seen." Conviction of things not seen. So he said, faith is learning to live life from a divine viewpoint. I don't know about you, but that is just fundamentally a hard thing to think about and do. Um, any, 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 anybody else agree with me? Because my natural sense, my natural bent, my natural decisions, left to my own devices, are almost always 180 degrees different than what, 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 what the scriptures say to do. <laughs> Uh, anybody with me on this? <laughs> um, so it could be my responses. It could be how I think first, for, as a first re- first thought. It could be um, my desire to be selfish, my desire to um, to have m- my little world circle around me as opposed to God. Um, it's all of the above, and so. Um, Faith is about learning to live life from a divine viewpoint. We said faith is trusting God and re- resulting in a sustained obedience over time. We'll talk more about that today. Secondly, we said the essential ingredients of faith, that there's seven of them, and we actually looked at Hebrews 32-38. through 38. Um, Would somebody read that 1032-38? Uh, Would somebody just read that out loud, just so we catch the sense, because this is going to lead us into chapter 11, and it's a great beginning Point for us. Anybody got that? 32 through 38? Sure. But recall those earlier days when after you had been enlightened, a hard struggle with suffering, opposed to abuse and persecution. 
sometimes being partners with those who had compassion for those who were in prison, carefully accepted themselves, possessed better and more lack. Not therefore, from the will of God, yet, and the righteousness, righteous one, by faith, brings back. Okay. That's good. Thank you very much. So we said there's seven major ingredients of faith that are um, buried in these few verses. The first one here is a daunting risk, conflict, or crisis. Uncertainty is thrust upon us from the external world. In this situation, what's the setting for these, these believers in Hebrews? Persecution, ostracization from their families, losing their jobs... As we see here, losing their homes, being put in prison, losing their friends, all of the above. And the scream from the author of Hebrews is, Christ is worth it all. He's worth it. And so this daunting, challenging risk is, 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 is put upon us, if you would. The second is a challenging struggle in our mind. So, external situations and circumstances force us to a place of a decision of our heart. And so, this decision is at the crossroads. We can go left or we can go right, but there's only two forks in the road. We'll talk about what those are. So, this struggle in our mind brings us to a fork in the road. Third here is a worthy object. A worthy object. We will lean fully into or worship what we really know in the midst of of challenge and we will fully lean into or worship uh, who or what we really treasure. So, almost invariably, what, what, we, who we, what we know and who we know and what we treasure will be on display in the decision processes of our lives um, in, this, in the moment of this time. Um, a conclusive decision of the heart is the fourth one. So we come to a place and we're forced to make a decision. This conclusive decision of the heart um, means that we, we, we become fully persuaded. He says in 34C, he says, um, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and one that abides. And we looked at two qualities there. One is qualitative and one is quantitative, right? And so because of both being over and above better, he conclusively make they conclusively make this decision, if you would. And we talked here about everything mattering and that it, and God is always worth it. And um, we looked at chapter eleven, verse two. Let's turn there for a second. He says, "For by it, what by faith, the men of old gained approval." And what, what was the what's gaining approval? What is that? With who? With God. With God, first and foremost. So God recognized their faith, and by the exercising of that faith, they gained approval before God. Gaining approval means made him happy. Okay. Um, so, conclusive decision of the heart. Next is a resulting outward act of obedience. Outward act of obedience. So, by faith, acts. They did acts. And you'll see that throughout today. The next one is a settled disposition of the soul. A settled disposition of the soul. So, verse 35, it says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. You need endurance after you've, after you've done the will of God. And so, right through here, we see this confidence, this endurance, a joyful countenance, and a sustaining hope. 
Um, the sustaining hope looks in verse 37. He says, For yet in a very little while, while he who is coming will come and will not delay. How glorious is that? That's amazing. Like, like we have no worries because our God reigns and he, his Son is coming back uh, in all his glory. And so that's our, that's our hope. It's a sustaining hope. It's a living hope according to Peter. And last but not least, an eye to, to rewards. An eye to rewards. And he says, he, he, he's coming back and will not delay. Um, and, he, and he says that he's going to, verse 35, don't throw away your confidence, which has great reward. And so there's great reward in this. And we, we talk about the fact that God sees everything, God remembers everything, and God rewards everything. And that's where we left off last time, if you would. An eye to rewards. And so, I want to start in the, on the next page, if you would, and talk about what is the nature of faith. What is the nature of faith? Okay? A few points as it pertains to the nature of faith as we get started. First, faith is not the absence of doubt, but it is the overcoming of it. So many people, when I do counseling and other things, um, struggle with the fact that they struggle. And yet, I mean, that is just human. Like, that's where all of us are at sometime. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's not about struggling with... It's, we shouldn't struggle with the struggle. The question is, is, struggle is okay, but what do we do when we come out the other end? Like, like, like are we able to come through that struggle um, and, ma- and, and make that decision of our heart, if you would? And so it's the overcoming of, it, uh, uh, of, the, of the doubt uh, that is that is where faith comes into existence, if you would. Philip Yancey asserts about the necessary uncertainty of faith. He says, doubt always coexists with faith. For in the presence of certainty, who would need faith at all? Makes total sense. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 24 and 25 together. Romans 8, 24 and 25. As soon as you get it, whoever's got it, read it. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? Hope for what we do not see, that with perseverance we wait and Okay. So, um, this side of eternity, we will hope. And that side of eternity, we will see with our very eyes. And therefore, we no longer will have to hope, because it will be a reality. Um, this week I sent out um, a note that I started the top up uh, off with, which said, um, uh, not yet, but very soon. <laughs> and, you know, that for me is just that reminder that it's not yet. It's not yet, but it's soon. It's soon in the big picture that we will be forever with the Lord. So it's not the absence of doubt, but the overcoming of it. The power of faith rests in the ability of the object, the reliability of the object in which one's faith is placed. Power of faith rests in the object in which one's faith is placed. You know, we talk to a a non-believing world, and their point is it's just about faith. Well, it's faith in what? Or faith in who? That's the key thing. When I go to sit down in a chair... I'm having faith that that chair is going to somehow keep me up, keep me from falling. Well, way beyond that, in this setting, you know, the reliability of the object that we place our faith in is in God. 
and His character and His promises and His faithfulness and His acts on on my behalf uh, in the past and, and that which will yet come. I love this quote from Ravi Zacharias. The true nature of faith is inextricably bound to relationships. As such, it is subject to all the intricacies and complexities of relationship. At times unshakable and strong, at other times revealed to be flabby and weak. The nature of faith is dynamic, but entering into a relationship of trust with the God revealed in Jesus of Nazareth assures me that despite the complexities, despite my often small offering of faith, don't forget that, I am welcomed into a relationship anyway. And as my faith is tested, its true nature is progressively revealed over time. Um, Third one here is, uh, the degree of faith one places in an object is directly proportional to the knowledge of the object. The degree of faith one places in an object is directly proportional to the knowledge of the object. C.S. Lewis, most of you know who he was, um, in his heart-wrenching memoir, A Grief Observed, he wrote this. He says, um, you never know how much you really believe something until it's true, it's truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. I'll tell you, when I think about some of the sweetest opportunities to watch faith in action, it's in that funeral home. Isn't it? It's to be able to see and hear faith on steroids. And to be able to know that that this person that we are celebrating their life is in the presence of the Lord. And there are no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, and if you have people who are non-believers, that's a struggling situation. Because it just, there is no, there's no real answers. There's no closure. There's no certainty. There's none of that at all. No peace, no rest, no confidence. Um, and and yet, I, I just my heart goes t- to you, Mary, and um, that we just finished with Nell, Nell's celebration, and what a what a glorious opportunity to be able to celebrate a life well lived, and um, to know unequivocally, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that she is in the presence of the Lord. What a great confidence you must have. Yeah. Um. I think what what you're alluding to here is a very important part of faith is the time aspect. Faith is something that educating yourself before you get to the Mm. fork in the road. Mm. Get to the fork in the road, that's not the time to generate the faith. Mm. It's a process that occurs prior to that. Yeah. So that when you get to the fork, you know what is the most important object. What is the direction to travel? What is the worthy object at that time? Yeah, it, which is Christ always. Christ, yeah. And so that's a really good point um, that you bring up, Cheryl. Thank you. Um, well, he goes on here. C.S. Lewis goes on to say, "It is easy to say you have you believe a rope to be strong and sound as long as you are merely using it to cord a box. Isn't that great? Well, take that cord out, st- strap it across the Grand Canyon." And, and now walk across it. That's a little different. <laughs> a little different faith going on right now um, without, a, w- w- without a safety net. 
this last point here, um, the major point that I want to talk about as far as the nature of faith is, is probably one of the, the most ta- important takeaways of all of our time last week, this week, and next week. And that is that faith springs into existence when I make a decision to please God. Faith springs into existence when I make a decision to please God. Let's look at chapter 11, verse 6. Would somebody read verse 6 out loud? Without faith it is impossible to please Him. Comes to God must believe that He is a rewarder of them. That... Okay. Um, probably one of the most profound verses in, in, in all of Scripture. Um, for me, this verse has been transformational. Because it has finally, in my journey towards intimacy with God, has given me handles by which I can tangibly like, see in my life my ability to please God and therefore have intimacy with God. Um, I didn't quite understand the relationship between faith and pleasing God. It didn't quite, I mean, probably 30 years I've known these verse, 30, 40 years I knew this verse, but I didn't quite understand how it connected everything together. My prayer for us today is that, and next week is that, we'll have absolute clarity of how this verse interacts with us day in, day out in our lives. But what does it say very importantly in the first part of this verse? Without faith, it is important. Possible to please God. Can't get there from here. So if you have a goal as a motive of your heart to please God, please the King of Kings, bring pleasure to the King of Kings, it, with your life, I'll suggest until you know what faith is, you can't please God. Doesn't that make sense? And so we're going to go on this detective uh, work this week and next week to try to hear from you and your, from your studies and what you learned, and then also talk through what does faith, what is faith? Like, how does it manifest itself from Hebrews 11? What does it involve? And learn how then to um, exercise it. And so, as we look at that, um, faith that pleases God is always comprised of two things, according to verse 6. First and foremost, to know that God is real. God is real. Faith believes that God exists. He is real. Faith believes that God exists. Faith believes that God exists. He says here, God exists absolutely. He did not come into being or will never go out of being. He is not becoming or growing or changing. Okay? He said, I am who I am. Like, I am in the present now. His name, it means that he absolutely is at all times. So he's always present tense in all times. Um, and and uh, God is pleased when this absolute existence is known, embraced, and what he actually, uh, and who he actually is gets reflected in, in, in our or their lives. And so when we think about um, the first part of exercising faith, the first premise, two premises here, one is that we believe that God is. Okay? That He exists. That He is who He said He was. Um, first point. 
Second point is, he's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. Faith believes God rewards those who seek him. Faith believes that God rewards those who seek him. He says um, that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Other passages, those who diligently seek him. Um, So behind that assertion that God is rewarding is the fact that God is so full, so completely overwhelming, so much in, in not in need of anything else besides who He is, that He overflows um, to us. Um, rather than needing our service, He is like a never-ending spring of life and energy and joy and beauty and goodness and power. God is pleased when we come to Him in a way that does two things. First, affirms this and delight in it when we come to Him as one who rewards when we come to Him as one who rewards. And secondly, trust that He will fulfill the promises of His Word and that He is faithful and true. He is faithful and true. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Uh, Let's look at uh, verse 11. Would somebody read 11, and tw- 11 through 13, if you would? And saw heaven open by force. Set on it is called faithful righteousness. He judges and weighs. Eyes are aflame on his head, are many diadems. He has a name written no one knows except it's clothed with a robe. Wow. Glorious beyond any picture is Christ in this setting. Like... He says that he um, sits on this white horse, um, talking about conquering, um, and uh, that he says that he is called by others faithful and true. Um, I'll come back to that in a second. He says, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and, and upon his head are many crowns or diadems. Um, and he has this name written upon him which no one else knows but himself. What, what's that all about? What, is, what does it mean? He has a name which no one knows except himself. Any thoughts on that? But we don't know about hmm? Adam about him. Hmm? Just... Only God knows God. Right. And he, a na- the name, a name in, in, in the scriptures means like it's, it's, it's a description of who he is. And the very point here is like, we all know him as faithful and true, but God knows himself in a way that no one else knows. And we will spend all of eternity just fathoming and plumbing the depths of that other name. And we will never get there from here to be able to know it know it in all its glory. What an amazing thing. He says, his is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God also. So this faithful and true, just personally, tell me about what does that mean to you? Faithful and true. Never changing, okay? Somebody I can depend on, we can depend on, okay? No matter where, you know, anything people would, you know, know you want, but you're wrong. Faithfulness only grows from experience, doesn't it? I mean, you can tell me all along about somebody being faithful, but when I say, I know him to be faithful, then I'm saying that because of what he's done in the past in my life. Isn't that true? 
And now, because I've seen that in the past, I now have the ability to trust him in the future and in the present. What about true? What, it, what, it mean? what, what do you think that means? Prom- what was it? Promise. Promise. His promises are true. All his promises are true. Yeah. Yeah. They will be fulfilled. Covenant. Mm-hmm. His covenant mm-hmm. with us. You know, it's like a yeah. He, he spoke it into existence. He, he, he solidified it with his word. And he will guarantee it with, um, the, he guarantees it with the spirit. And he's, he's going to uh, consummate it, you know, with his glory at the end of, of days. And so all that is true. Um, we can bank on it. We can take it to the bank and write the check, so to speak. So faithful and true. So, so again, back to uh, uh, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him, because we the one who comes to Him. By the way, that idea of coming to Him is this concept of coming into His presence. The one who comes to Him into His presence, if you would, is saying that He exists. He and he is a rewarder of those who are in hot pursuit of wanting to know him deeper and better. Um, does that make sense so far? Okay. All right. So next, I want to talk about what you guys did in your homework, and then we'll start into a little bit of the back, back and forth and sharing with you some of the things that I was able to learn myself. So when we think about Hebrews 3, 11.3, he says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Sammy, I'm going to jump to you because you had a couple of comments on this from the very beginning. Um, but when you talk about uh, the hall of faith... These, this whole chapter is about um, learning about exercising faith and what it is, and that it involves certain things in our life. If we could mine the depths of understanding what that looks like in people's lives, then it will help us to be able to understand how we can uh, acquire that in our own lives. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah? So, when you think about faith involves... What? Okay. Sam, you want to talk to this one? <laughs> I'm sure that my email was very it, it was, interesting. It was awesome. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not alone. I don't know. I don't know what I said. That was great. I'm glad you appreciate it. I have to say. Monday morning this last week, we woke up and Colton, who's three and a half, comes up, comes in and he goes like this. He goes, did you know that God created the world with a word? Wow. <laughs> and then he said, and I tried it. It doesn't work. I <laughs> he said, only God. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's so sweet. Anyway, sorry. That's a great, that's a great illustration. With a word. Well, anybody else? I want to talk about faith involves what from verse 3, according to verse 3? Understanding. Pardon me? Understanding. Understanding what? Understanding the Word of God. Okay. Understanding, understanding that God is creator, right? So what it seems to be here is that like, you can't get there from here if you don't start with the premise at the very beginning. Like... like the further you go from the premise from the beginning, the farther away you are from reality. If you start with a premise that God doesn't exist and that He didn't create, 
then you're out here in la-la land because you're making stuff up. Does that make sense to everybody? Like, this is like so foundational to this entire chapter. Like, do you understand that God exists and that He's the Creator? That's the premise. Yeah. 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 And and so the point here in correlation uh, of things that they might roll up on out of the water on on a thing, you know, something smashed into the earth or you know, and excesses, but by you know what I see or you know what I think I know. Very premise of the very beginning. Yeah. And they they can't can't accept something that you know, maybe that that simple. Yeah. Or 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 that's true. They have to know you know, or you know Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Man. And. When I remember that God is the mm. creator, mm. mm. I love that. that. Yeah. Man. Such a great like uh, <laughs> reset button, you know? <laughs> Boom! <laughs> like reboot. <laughs> I like what he, what you God being if he's us and our little daily yeah. problems, which to us seem so enormous. Yeah. But to yeah. the universe it's like God did that Amen and if he's like keeping not that he just like put it in place but he is keeping he's gluing and sustaining all this stuff in place like hello <laughs> like hello right um, okay good uh, verse 4 uh, somebody read that out loud by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sex than he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and still speaks. Okay. So faith involves what according to verse four? What what is offering a sacrifice? What what is that? Action. It's action, but it's wrapped up in what? Worship. Worship. So faith involves worship. That's that's why Isaac's Worship was well pleasing to God. Okay? So faith involves worship and right worship, not wrong worship. Okay? So that's the key thing there. Any other thoughts on that one? Yeah. Yeah. How many others struggle with that definition of worship? Um, because I have in the past, for sure. To. Yeah. Um, but to your point, it's much bigger than that. It's more personal than that. It's 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 all of that. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna we will talk. In fact, I think you're doing that piece. <laughs> you are. Yeah. He's going to talk about worship, um, which is one of the key components we're going to do. Any other ones on this particular verse? Faith is a self-education process. Us as human beings, worship is vital part of that, no matter where we are or who is with us, because it is a process that we are learning. So, I mean, he just didn't come out from being born and knew how to worship rightly. He had to listen to what God said how to do it. He had to follow it. He had to do it well, right? So, definitely. In that verse 4, there's that component between Abel and Cain. And, you know, when you talk about right worship... It's like one came on his own terms, and one came on, on right. right terms. Correct, so, exactly, right? exactly. Um, Abel came, uh, 
uh, where am I? Cain came on uh, his, own his own terms. terms. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And he is worthy. Okay, good. Okay, let's go to verse five. We skip six. Or five, we skip uh, coming up to six. We'll do five next. Uh, somebody read that one out loud. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should death, and he not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was ended as having pleased God. Okay, so faith involves what? From this verse and anything else you might know about Enoch. Pardon me? Obedience. Faith involves obedience. Yeah, obedience. Faith involves obedience. Um, he walked with God. Um, just the very thought of walking with God has uh, a level of uh, intimacy, doesn't it? Yeah. Go ahead. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. So faith involves intimacy with God. Um, it's like he was here and then he was there. It was, but he was both sides. He was together with God, um, walking with Him. It's and that with Him is like in a commun- communal way, face to face, side by side, um, very much so. Any other thoughts there? But he, he says he was because of that. He he was pleasing to God, right? You see that there. Skip six. Go to seven. Somebody, go ahead. By faith, Noah, being moved with fear, entered an ark to the saving by the which he condemned the wolves by faith. Okay. So, by faith involves what according to Noah's life? Okay. Um, trust. Had he ever seen rain? No. Had he? Did he have any idea what what a flood was? No. Um, was he laughing stock of? Um, everyone around, yes. Um, this was a hundred, like close to a hundred years of doing this thing. You know, um, long time. Uh, any other thoughts on Noah? You're said in reverence, prepared an ark. Is that what, who who wrote read that one? In, in fear. What what what's that all about? My, New American says in reverence. Yours says in fear. Any thoughts on that? He was God is who he says he is, and, and we'll do what he says he's gonna do. Right. It's a really another word for worship. In right. worship, he okay. did. Yeah. He, he built the heart. The, uh, he, he 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 prepared the ark. Um, so it was an act of worship um, in, in in all of its uh, setting. Obedience. Obedience. Yeah. And it reminds me of the scripture. Mm. This was certainly a word. Yes. They have focused. I mean, everyone else around them ridicules them. You know, I mean, how often do we take our eyes off of God and put them on with, oh, look at what they're saying about me? Versus, and he just, he kept, he was focused on God. Yeah. It kept him centered and focused. And I, I, I'll suggest that that is a key thing that as we think through faith, how it's operationalized in our lives, um, I'll suggest to not have it front and center will mean that we won't walk by faith because I just will not do that intentionally. Faith is an intentional decision of the heart. If you intentional decision of the heart. I, I found for fear of efforts to stand in awe of Noah fully believed that God would do what he said he was going to do and to not do what he was told to do. Amen. Um, so, 
I wanted to walk us into um, chapter 11, verse 8, and beyond through 19. And I've come up with a few things here that I want to walk through with you as we go through these verses. If you have something else, I'd love to put it down too, because we'll make a master out of these, and we'll bring them back, and I'll give them to you uh, afterwards. So, this one here is, first one is verse 8. We're going to start with verse 8. Somebody read verse 8. By faith, Abraham out, not knowing where he was. Okay. So, first of all, faith... Faith, uh, faith involves becoming fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Uh, there is no way that Abraham would have picked everything up and gone someplace that he didn't know anything about um, without having a full conviction of the heart, um, being fully persuaded. Um, and so, what I said here is that um, to lean fully into God's character and His Word. Lean fully into his character and his word. It's like reckless abandon without safety ropes. Um, what's fascinating to me, and I didn't put it on here, but faith must also, even before this one, involve listening to God. Like, if he wasn't listening, he wouldn't have heard what God said. And so many times we're in transmit mode as opposed to in listening mode. And he was in listening mode when he heard what God said here. And I said here, the last one here is like, it's, become, it's becoming committed to versus trying to. I use the example of, um, you know, a, a chicken and, and, and a hog were talking about breakfast, right? And, and w- w- they were arguing with, with each other who was more committed, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so you, you might have heard that one before, right? But, I mean, the, the, the pig is, is, is fully committed to, to breakfast, whereas the... You know, the chicken is laying an egg, if you would, um, instead. Um, so, becoming fully persuaded, if you would. Uh, the second one in verse 8 that I looked at here is involves completely turning our back on this world and worldliness. Involves completely turning our back on this world and worldliness. It says that he went out from there. He went out. Um, you know, I won't look at all of Second Peter 1, 3 through 8, um, but Second Peter 1, verse 3, uh, does say um, a key, something key to this process. Um, and what we see here is a decision of the heart. Somebody want to read Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. So the, the way in which we become partakers of this divine nature, which would be demonstrating faith, okay, is by escaping the corruption that is in the world through our thirstings or our lusting or our desires or our passions. And his point is like, when we transition our thirstings, passions, pursuits to be for God as opposed to for ourselves, he says that is the key thing here. And so when I talk about tree hugging, you know, it's stop the tree hugging of this world. You know, you think about a tree hugging, right? The person's over there, like hanging onto a tree. Don't, don't, don't strip my hands off because I, this thing's so precious to me. You know, I think of, you know, in Lord of the Rings, right? Um, Gollum, right? So Gollum, what was, what was important to Gollum? It was the ring, my precious? You know, it was my precious. You know, and so yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll talk about Avia on this one. <laughs> But she she has little precious things, you know. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, but uh, 
I think all of us have little precious things in our lives, and, and we're going to talk more about idols um, also. So focus on things unseen, not on things seen. Set ourselves apart from this world. So folk, uh, faith involves turning our back on this world and worldliness. Next one is that faith is, uh, involves being born in sacrifice and is costly. Being born in sacrifice and is costly. He said, verse 8 here, that he went out from where he was. And so he, he basically was leaving everything um, behind, uh, taking some stuff with him that they could carry and everything else. But um, it appears as though he was very well-to-do at the time um, and was probably just going to leave everything there. Um, and uh, so it's born in, it's in sacrifice and it's costly. We talk about this, leaving all we know uh, and follow God's direction, our families, our friends, our plans, our agendas, our dreams, our desires, all of those things in our lives. And uh, um, I think of uh, um, maybe another one that probably should have been here. It's kind of stating it a different way, but faith involves a death. Faith involves a death. It's It's a death of myself. Like, it's a death of me. And so, like, the decision of the heart is about putting me to death because I want to please God um, is, is kind of my thought there. And so, you know, Galatians 2.20, just really appreciate that verse. He says, I've been crucified with Christ um, and I no longer live or life that was in me, but I live um, uh, by faith in, in Christ because um, Christ lives in me. And so, by faith in the Son of God. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, um, he talks about uh, Christ's reason for his death is really that we, we would be set free from ourselves, be able to please God. Um, he says we, we would no longer live for ourselves, but we would live for Christ. Um, and so, it really is, it, it's a death. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm going through that journey of, putting things to death in my mind, in my soul. Um, I'm a tree hugger. <laughs> I'm, I'm a tree hugger. I, I, I like some these things, you know. And and so really it's about my heart and like what's going on in there. And, and we're, we're going to deal with all those things in this quest, in this journey together. Um, so just hold that for a second. But I just want to acknowledge that it's hard to stab myself in the, in the heart. <laughs> It really is. It's not natural, if you would, so to speak. Okay, so it's born in sacrifice and it's costly. Um, another one on verse 8 is uh, it involves a journey of desire and delight. Involves a journey of desire and delight. Desire and delight. This is the sanctification process. It begins with a decision and it must have a want to. A want to. Look, would somebody read uh, verses 24 through 26 of this chapter about Mo- Moses? You know, I, I can't help but think of that song, right, that says, you know, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Um, for Moses, he says Egypt just lost its sizzle. Lost its sizzle. He'd come to a conclusion that says there's something far more valuable 
it could not even compare to is the language we see here. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I can't help but think of Second Corinthians four, sixteen through 18. Um, let me read it for you. Second Corinthians four sixteen through 18 he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day, for momentary light affliction is producing for us, here it is, an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison to anything that is. While we look at things that are seen, things that are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. They have longevity. They will last forever. Sammy? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, do that. Um, and he goes, uh, d- d- don't underestimate what your children are, children are watching in you. Don't under- underestimate it at all. Um, you know, I look at this uh, motivation of the heart to please God no matter what. Look, look with me in closing at Psalm 37, verse 4. Psalm 37, verse 4 talk about this journey of delight, this journey of desire. Somebody read that? Your heart. Any thoughts about this verse? Delight yourself in the Lord. Yeah. That's just getting that thing yeah. so much. That mm. delights are the water. Mm. Um, mm. You know, mm. delight means yeah. but that fading away. Yeah. And yeah. 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 This fade, right? Yeah, it just fades. I get so excited if you you know, minister to your mm. That's just worth so much that I can And that becomes the desire of your heart then, right? Yeah, is that transitioning and changing? Like he says, I'm going to give it to you. What a glorious thing, like amazing. Just in closing, Psalm 145, turn there. Psalm 145. Um, would somebody read um, verse 18 and 19 for us? Psalm 145, 18 and 19. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fills the desire of those who fear. He also hears their cry and say, He will fulfill the desire of those who fear Him. He will also hear the cry, their cry and will save them. I wrote in my Bible, from themselves. <laughs> you know, it's almost so true, right? It's like, um, all who call upon him, he's going to fulfill their desires. Um, we'll pause there. We'll pick right up here next time. This is meant to just be the next portion next week where we stop. We'll start. Um, I want to give you your homework assignment, though. Um, turn to uh, page. This, this homework assignment will take two weeks. Okay? Two weeks. So turn to page 10. And uh, you'll see homework in the middle. So there's two weeks of work here. Uh, the homework assignments is to read Hebrews 11, 20-23. This is powerful if you ha- didn't get a chance to look at this yet in detail. But in Hebrews 11, 20-23, what we see is Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, all in their last days of their life as they're dying. And they did certain things. And I'll suggest as you look through, comb through the rest of Scripture, you'll find 
uh, lots of other people who were in those last days. How did they navigate life? How, what was it like? And um, when we think about that, I want you to write down, like, like if you were, think about this as, like, um, from the standpoint of writing out your eulogy, but you're not there anymore. Like, what do you want people to say about you and your life? And this week, it will be about just literally putting together a construct of categories. Like, think about chunkification of that eulogy message. If there were paragraphs, what would that those paragraphs, the, the, the you know the the content of the topics be? My family, my spouse, my work, my ministry. What are the, what are what are all those things? I want you to think about them and just jot them down in a in an organized way. Come to an agreement on that. Okay, so that's the goal this week. Next week's goal will be fill in the blanks. And what that will say is like, there is nothing more powerful than writing this down. I'll tell you right now. And um, when you get it written out, and you have this opportunity to think this through, there's two great opportunities that exist. One is to ask yourself some tough questions. Which is like, okay, well, if that's what I want them to say about me... What would lead them to believe that that's what they should say about me in the present way I'm living? Does that make sense to everybody? Point number one. Point number two is when you write it out, I'll tell you, give it to your children and hold yourself accountable. Sammy, can you close us in prayer? Big Father, we uh, fill in our heart with joy. You're great. You are the God. Ask as Amen. Have a great day. Did anybody not get Intimacy with the Almighty, the book yet, um, in this room? If you did not get it yet, come see me and I'll make sure you get one. Uh, Swindoll. Do you, you have that, I think, don't you? Yeah? Yeah. Huh? I don't know. I know. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, if you don't have it, I'll, I'll get you one. I'll go get you. I'll go. I'll get you. I'll get it for you. Are you going to the second service? Yeah. Okay. I'll get it for you. <laughs> You're really right. Get a chance to go through that. That'd be good. Yeah.
Hurlbert, H-U-R-L. B-E-R-T. L-B-E-R-T. Yep. Good, how are you? Good. So, yes, Thank you for so that. Appreciate it. Okay. Sam, uh, and she said, I can't make it in the class, but it's my favorite topic. And I'm like, well, I, I don't have her email. I, I got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then this. Yeah. This. Have you gotten in touch with Kathy at all? Kathy Nelson? No. Okay. You were asking me what her stance was, and that was a really hard question for me to answer. But then, when I was cleaning out my van, I found this letter. That she okay. Wrote me just a couple years ago, so I need a copy. Okay. Just interested to hear your. Yeah, the way I left it with her was. Um, I appreciate her being uh, having the confidence to share that with me, and that I, um, you know, have. Yeah. Probably numerous opportunities to try to speak into his life, and I committed to taking those. And, but as it pertains to her personally, I said, like, you know, if you want any help, I'd be more than glad to help, you know, but I don't want to go any place you don't want me to, so, you know, I'm going to leave that with you. Yeah. A little hesitant to give this to you because. I'm interested to hear what you. Okay. Well, I'll do. I'll do it that way then. I just haven't gotten to that. Uh, uh, it's true. That uh, one. One thing. Yeah, I got you to celebrate your birthday. Oh, uh, it was great. Sally's, uh, <laughs> procedure went all right. Yeah, she's, she's got like 24 <laughs> stitches. It's a pretty big. It's a. I mean, it's. It's that long. Yeah. It's not a small thing. I was. I was like, wow, that's a lot. So. All right. Thanks. Good. So? I might in about a month or so. Very nice place. Okay, <laughs> uh, yeah.